Thank you for tuning in to Balanced Black Girl. I appreciate you joining me. My name is Les. I am your host. And if you're tuning into this episode on the day it releases, it's a very special day. Starting off the episode with a little Tony, 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 because it's our anniversary. So on my calendar today, when this is coming out, is October 18th, 2022, which means the podcast is turning four years old. Yes, Balanced Black Girl is now four. Balanced Black Girl is a Libra. (laughs) And what a four years it has been. So before we get into today's episode, I just have to thank everyone who has tuned in, who has sent love, who has been a part of our community, all of the amazing guests we've had on the show over the past four years. I mean, the incredible folks I've had the privilege of talking to, my amazing team who support me and make BBG possible anyone who has helped over the years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many times I did not know (laughs) if I would continue, if the next week there would even be an episode, but we're still here. We recently crossed the 5 million downloads mark, which for a small independent podcast is really exciting. And I truly have you to thank for being here. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for holding me down and let's keep this thing going. So today we're wrapping up our Money and Abundance series. And I have to say, I really loved this series. Like many people, financial wellness wasn't something I was taught, especially when it comes to what to do. <laughs> I mean, I think we've, we've all maybe seen examples of, of what not to do, but when it comes to being taught what to do, I really had to figure that out on my own in adulthood and exploring my own learnings with all of you has been something I've really appreciated. And then getting messages from many of you about the changes you've made after listening, how you've created budgets or set up a savings plan for your kids or are ordering DoorDash a little less or opened an IRA or negotiated a higher salary. Like these are all things that you've shared with me that you've done. And I'm so happy. I'm so excited. I love to see it. I love to hear it. Even though this series is winding down, this will not be the last time we talk about financial well-being. So please continue on your journey. Please continue sharing your wins with me so that I can celebrate with you because that's what we're really here to do. Now, while earlier episodes in this series focused on very tactical elements of financial wellness, like saving, investing, talking to your partner about money, I wanted to make sure we also talked about something really important, actually more important than those other things, and that is money trauma, financial trauma, overcoming it. It really impacts our attitudes and beliefs around money, our decisions, our perceptions, Financial trauma is very real, especially in our community, which is notoriously under-resourced. We could make all the money in the world, but it doesn't really matter if we aren't doing so from a healed place. And having wealth also doesn't mean much if we are unwilling to redistribute it. So today we're really talking about addressing and working through money trauma for holistic financial wellness and what it means to redistribute wealth throughout our community for the support of others. Our guest today is Nafasi Farrell. Nafasi is a financial coach certified in the trauma of money method, where she proudly serves on faculty as a racial wealth gap educator and facilitator of Black, Indigenous, and people of color affinity spaces. 
She is also the founder and owner of Narratives Unbound, which she founded in 2019 after the passing of her father and after getting her and her husband out of over $30,000 in consumer debt. In this episode, we cover so much. We talk about scarcity, the sources of scarcity, where that comes from, how we can overcome feelings of scarcity how financial trauma can show up in different ways in our lives and how we can move that trauma out of our bodies and out of our habits, what it means when you are that person who is changing those patterns because, oh, don't I know, it is hard when you are the person changing that pattern for your family. That is a lot of weight to bear and it can be really, really challenging. And we talk about navigating that. This is really an episode that is designed to help you feel affirmed and seen and under and empowered on this really important part of your financial wellness journey. So let's get into our conversation with Nafasi. So I would love to start off by learning a bit more just about your money story, your relationship to money, how your relationship to money has evolved thus far in your life. I think for me, the journey was how do I do in the world yeah. rather than create or manifest stuff. Yeah. Right. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But yes, thank you for having me. I'm from Oakland, California. I mean, I'm from, um, I wish I was from Oakland. Spent a lot of my time in <laughs> Oakland, California. Met my husband in Oakland, California. He's actually from Dublin. But I'm from Altadena, California. I'm from a rich, diverse family. We are from many lands. Growing up, I was called a mutt, you know, whatever that might mean. For many different people, just being a woman of my ancestors that came from Africa, came from Ireland, came from Spain, and all of the traumas and all of the oppressions and all the things that they faced and witnessing that in my family. I was talking about race. I worked with the Black Panther Party when I was young. um, And I thought that if we talked about race, if we just talked about politics, if if we just did those things and talked about the past, then everything would be fine. Um, And I had a interesting view of the world growing up that everyone was doing this too, that we were all working together to make a better world in our own little way. You know, my dad, you know, my dad grew up poor in Chicago. Money was, my journey with money with my father was one of scarcity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the journey with my mother was a one of abundance, that there is always enough to the point that you can hoard. So I come from a family of extreme hoarding as financial, that's extreme financial trauma that I'm still facing to overcome with them today. But that taught me to live in both worlds. I didn't know it yet, but I was being primed for the work that I do today. And it wasn't really until my father died in 2018 that I woke up to money. It was about helping other people. And I volunteered, you know, my time everywhere. I volunteered to help young people learn how to read who were behind. I had always, you know, been a creator. And I was like, wait, oh my gosh, money, right? I had done build a cultural event series in, in Seattle community. I had done a Let's Talk Race series trying to challenge young people to be leaders. And you don't need a degree. Stand up and show your voice and gather community. You don't need a degree to tell you to do that. Yeah. But I forgot there was a missing piece and I didn't know there was a missing piece to the story. And I had to learn that through trauma. Um, I had to learn that death is hard. And that's the final, that's the final till you leave the earth and you don't get to come back. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about it. And I didn't know we didn't talk about it. I didn't know yeah. until it was too late. And my siblings, my you know, my half siblings looked at me and then their fifties, like, what do we do? All my priming of managing, you know, money, managing over two hundred fifty thousand dollars at the time, I've been like, Oh, this is this is money. This is us. And so that made me dig really deep around money and like, oh, what's money for me? 
And I got me and my husband out of thirty thousand dollars worth of debt. That'll let me allow me to look inward and set us on a path. And I have a partner that was like, whatever we need to do, we need to do. Whoever has a skill, whoever has a talent, you know, he's an immigrant uh, coming from Mexico. He's a dreamer. Every two years, we get, you know, is he going to have a job or not? We've lived that fear and still have been able to build because we've known that each day there's another day. As long as you have another day, you have another day to build. Mm-hmm. And so that full journey of, you know, having a partner, having some, some level of stability, having that the thought partner, right? Like he's the one that helped me finish my master's program. I want to quit. I was like, what's a piece of paper worth for? What's a hundred thousand dollars of debt worth <laughs> yes. for? Yes. And I realized it was the people mm-hmm. that the spirit wasn't, Yes, I, there was debt, but the spirit was trying to get me to the other human beings that I would meet one day. Um, and that that is money, right? When trauma money and, and others, we've all, I always talk about money as it's money is us, right? We come from, we create everything out of us. We're the only species that has a currency. We're the only species that creates and manifests. So we, we are money, right? And that has come in the form of slavery, which every society up until now has determined that we still need one. We're still, we're still living through it today. We have not determined, we have not built a society that says no slavery yet. And so everything is built on that oppression in between that. And so overcoming and understanding money is, of course, is the hardest thing removed from us because it's the thing that is us. You know, growing up, I was like, why were we talking about money? You know, even though my mom always said, why'd you take a finance class? Like she's mentioned <laughs> that, I think, three days ago. And I laughed because I was like, Man, if I would have listened to you at 18, <laughs> at 31, I would, we would have, we would have had a lot more resource. We would have yeah. had a lot more resource to share. So, and during my father, I realized there were basic things that no one knew. Like a lot of my people didn't know what a 401k was. They didn't know what a Roth IRA was. They didn't, they didn't think they had enough to save when saving is every little, every, it takes a dollar to create a million and you need a seed to make a tree, right? You need to, you need to you both go slow over time and, I had, was naive. I really thought everybody knew these things. And as I yeah. got older and I started managing money and being working government and supporting community, I was like, oh, th- these things are lost to us. And they're the gaps that are not allowing us to be well with one another. And so I said, if I could do it, then others around me have to be able to do it. I mean, yeah. if my husband and I could do it off of $60,000 at the time, we, we really weren't making much together. Yeah. And I was like, if we can, if I can try, if I can just try, learn YouTube as, as anti sometimes tech I'm like, you know, tech, we need to really evaluate how we use tech. It saved my life. Yeah. When my community did not know, I had something, a tool that I could use. And that led me up to building, you know, my business. And so that's really the the arc up until 2019 when I decided now's the time. I met a black woman and we were at coffee and she had built two or three businesses and I was just in awe, right? You know, awestruck. Like, how did you do these things? I come from a community <laughs> where people just work. Yeah. And you don't build because you don't believe you have the right to build. And she was like, "What do you? Who you wait for?" And I was like, "For you to tell me, I can." Because mm. I needed to see myself. Yeah, I needed to see another entrepreneur that is existing in living flesh, not on the internet, not on an article I read. I need to physically see someone. And that for me was like, okay, I can take this next step. That 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 I felt was like the door of permission out of. There's, there's physical slavery and there's mental slavery. And I feel like there's layers of it that we're overcoming. And it takes time. We don't give ourselves enough grace. It takes years. You know, from now to where I was, I've been investing for six years, I believe now. Six years is, people think is a long time. It's actually not. Yeah. <laughs> At all. But it's not for investing. And not for actually anything. Compounding yeah. mm-hmm. takes time to compound your habits, your beliefs, your dreams. 
Um, and I've been able to see my dreams sort of compound over that. So that's just, you know, I'll stop there. That's, that's the, my young till, till the journey of this point in my life began. And I wouldn't give any of it up for anything. I wouldn't give up any of the challenges. I wouldn't give up any of the, the trauma that I endured as a child living with extreme hoarding and just living in ways that you shouldn't live if you have wealth, if you have yeah. money, uh, if you have enough resource to take care of yourself, but you also know, need to know how to deploy those resources. My family has not and does not know how to do that as well as, you know, drug abuse and other things that just take you away and deteriorate you. So yeah, I look back and I'm like, okay, it was, it was worth this journey. My young Nafasi. (laughs) (laughs) You can see, you know, those nuggets of everything you gain from all of those experiences when you reflect back on it. Yes. And the, and the reflection is so we, I think that we, people talk about gratitude, but it's deeper than that. It's yeah. be proud of where you've been mm-hmm. because it's greater than you thought it is. Like yeah. the, where we think we are and where we actually are sometimes is not where we're at. I mean, that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing with my clients because of trauma. We, we can't look at our, when we call financial avoidance or avoidance and disassociation. Once you, if you can look at it, once you're able to overcome that and calm your nervous system and able to do, you're able to, sometimes it's not as murky as, it, as you thought it was that the story is actually a little bit lighter, but we can only do that when we can see. Yeah. If we can't see it, we can't manifest further. Building a budget, building what I call, what I'm calling an abundance plan because people are really scared of the word budget. (laughs) I really scare everybody away with the word budget. I'm like, I got to get rid of this (laughs) word somehow, some way. But your abundance plan is something that it's yours. You get to create, you get to change, you get to play with. Um, That's what saved me. I was like, I'm going to write down every little thing I spend, every little thing that we make. Right. That was just the beginning. I was like, nobody's telling me how to do this. I'm just going to do this and start from there because maybe I have something that I can't see because I can't see everything. I'm human. I, I have a voluntary and voluntary, voluntary and voluntary nervous system. It only operates when it wants to. And if I'm in the trauma, my brain, half my brain shuts down. Right. So I know that I need to see it. And ever since I did that, that's the main thing I try to teach my clients. And sometimes it's been a journey. Some of my clients, mm-hmm. they can see it into the abundance plan very quickly. Others, it takes six months. Yeah. Others, it's taken a longer journey, but it's, they still get there. Absolutely. (laughs) And it's less about when we get there. It's, can we take each step to not give up? And I'm super, super grateful for all the challenges of my childhood to, and have the ability to reflect right on the childhood to say, these are the traumas I've experienced. This is how they're actually, well, out of the Phoenix comes new life, right? Like there is so much greatness out of the darkness that can come if we can see it. And that's where I've always, I've always been the young person that's like, hold on, we can figure something out. (laughs) (laughs) There's a solution here. (laughs) There's a solution. I might not be able to see it, but maybe if we all contribute and we all can think of it together and we gather, we can, right? We are, we're powerful when we work together. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, kind of the culture inside of the work that I try to build inside of, you know, Narratives Unbound when I built it. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for, sharing your story. And there are definitely a lot of pieces in there that I want to dig back into because I think it's really valuable for our community to hear more experiences and perspectives. First, I want to talk about that relationship between scarcity and hoarding. You had mentioned how growing up in your family, there was the experience of hoarding. I heard that as hoarding resources. Is that what you meant? Yes. Yes, hoarding yeah. resources. Yes. Yeah. So can we talk about the relationship between scarcity and 
supporting resources and why feeling scarce tends to lead to that desire to hoard? You know, as a historian, I try to like give the bigger overarching piece and then we can, you know, whittle it down a little bit. But when we built money, we said it, it must have certain features for it to operate as money. So besides it being divisible, right, and being portable, it must be scarce. It must be scarce. And so when we think about when economics was created, right, according to the American Economic Association, economics, right, is that study of scarcity. It's the study of how people use resources, all these things we have in abundance, and respond to incentives to those resources. So we built something that has scarcity built into it. Just from the get-go, just for, just the idea of using and having using money, right? No matter if it was rice, beans, stones, when Chinese invented paper money, doesn't matter. No matter what we built, we built the fact that it must be scarce so that it must have value. Mm. So at the just at the beginning of our creation of what we believe money to be at its core for everyone, it's scarcity is built in. So that in itself must be challenged for us to transform that we must understand what money is, right? What is money? And so because we have scarcity and because we have, and not just because of that, when we think about trauma, there's multiple levels of trauma, right? We, and trauma money, we have multiple pedals of trauma. One of them I want to talk to right now is generational trauma, mm-hmm. right? If things like people are going through in Florida and Puerto Rico yeah. happen, there's nothing you as a physical human being can do about that. That's out of your complete control. That is that is societal and then eventually becomes generational trauma. And so that creates scarcity. Lived true. Our ancestors lived through, we have, are living through and have lived through scarcity where people had to be cannibalists because they had to survive. We just, there's things we had to do that create scarcity. So because we experience scarcity, which creates trauma, we have all these other layers that create behavior. And one of those behaviors is hoarding. We're like an animal. I don't have enough, whether that's love Whatever it is, you're, whatever whatever it is you're trying to feel, and when we call trauma, only call it resourcing. When we're trying to calm your nervous system, you use certain resources. Sometimes that's alcohol, weed. Sometimes that's jogging. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's yoga. So what? Right? We resource ourselves in different ways, and one way we can resource ourselves is through accumulation of things, and that's how hoarding manifests. Yeah, right? it's unintentional. It's a it's a behavioral response to trauma. And until we wake up to the tra- wake up to the fact of the trauma and the core, the root, right? As Gabor Mate calls that, the root of the addiction. Hoarding is an addiction. Well, can be considered an addiction. A negative behavior, right? That can cause financial and other destruction within your life, which I've seen yeah. within my family. The fact that my mother sleeps on top of things. Mm. It's traumatic. Yeah. Because she's feeling, she's like, you left me. Mm. And she has to take care of everything. Family, the, the, it's, it's more than having enough. Once you have enough, there's a whole there's a whole other set of things you have to deal with, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> it's living life. Being above scarcity doesn't mean your life is peachy, right? Having the yacht and the big mansion does not mean life is peachy. There's these <laughs> myths, right, of what wellness is, and when wellness is out of balance, we see hoarding, we see financial dissociation, we see financial neglect, we see all these different things that show up because our nervous systems are not well because of a traumatic event we experienced or like Resmamenica's work talks about, whether that's our ancestors that are coming through from us. But when we're aware, it's more about finishing the process of being in a trauma triggered state. Can you come from a hyper arousal state back to a calm state? Can you come from a, a non hyper arousal state to a calm state? Can you re 
center your nervous system when it is triggered. Because I think there's also this thing of if we just preach wellness all day, then we'll just be fine. Well, that could be for 10 minutes or right. for a month. Because <laughs> <laughs> something's always going to happen that's going to activate you in one way or another. So how do you bring yourself back? So like my mother, I would tell her, you know, instead of buying that, those star earrings that you love, you could go get a Frappuccino or something you like. Mm-hmm. Or you yeah. could, you know, my mom's in, in retirement, right? So it's really about her enjoying herself. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you didn't, you could also, if you're a younger person, you could save that. Yeah. <laughs> you could, you, that's, you know, what I tell all my clients is that investing, every time you spend your time, energy, or currency, right? All those are forms of money. Yep. You have spent, you have, you're building something. So what are you building? Do you know the empires? Since we are still in colonial systems, everyone preaches empires. So we're still building empires. Whose empire are you building? And does the empire that you're building fit with your values? And is it nourishing you? Because if it's not, it's destroying you and others. Yes. So whether it's a dollar or a thousand dollars or a half a million dollars, it's all investing. But when we're in a trauma trigger state, our brains are shut down. Our Brockus uh, area is shut down. So we can't actually use that part of our brain. That's why we need community. Mm-hmm. This is why our ancestors had susus, like real, traditional susus and others around the world. Every time I meet with uh, um, indigenous, some indigenous folks and other people in my community, they're like, yeah, my grandma used to do that. And I just say, well, why aren't you? Yeah. What, what, what's, what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what, what is so, uh, you know, lively in, in, in drawing about working within capitalism and why is sharing resources amongst each other not? Yeah. Like I've, I've, yeah. I've, the conversation I've had, I've, I've really wondered that. Because if you don't think you have enough in scarcity, then you can't share what you have even if you have enough, even if you want to. And we know that the studies show that when poor, poor people share more, um, when they don't have it. <laughs> that, yes. has been my, that has been my I'm a financial enabler. That is my uh, money disorder, <laughs> as mm-hmm. we like to call it. I want others to be well. But we must be well, too. And others yeah. can be well as well. But there's a there is a there's enough. What I call enough is not too little. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have enough, right? Where you are well, where your nervous system is in sync, right? Where you're not trauma triggered. And you can pay all of your bills on time. You can save, you can invest, you can do and you can still give a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? To someone in need. To someone need their rent paid, which is you know, often what I have to do is from is it rent or a bill or someone needs something, right? Have you put something away for community to pay it back? Because I mean, when, when we think about hoarding, I think there's also this idea that these things belong to us. It's my property, but yeah. it doesn't. When we die, we don't take it with us. And it's left for the living to take care of and to have to work through and to manage. And it's, you know, that is traumatizing as well, right? Absolutely. We must do well with what we have while we are alive and while we are living and breathing so that the next generation does not have to suffer. Mm-hmm. That is what our ancestors did teach us, which, you know, because of things that have happened in our society, we have, we've had a breakdown of that. We've had a breakdown of elders. We don't have, we don't really have elder councils like we used to. So these missing, these are gaps. It's not like other things, you know, things could, things can work better, but these bigger gaps around what it means to spend, to have, to accumulate are questions that we need to be having because the, the ones that the TV is showing us, are ones of oppression, are ones of the kings that we've been trying to get rid of, supposedly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to drive more scarcity. I feel like all all that I see, especially in big media, is only to drive more scarcity, especially right now with the economy being kind of up in the air. It is truly designed to drive a lot of fear, a lot of the messages we're seeing. 
It is. And because people don't understand history, like I'm like, well, check. I'm like, you have a phone. <laughs> so look at the past like years of the stock market. You could just yeah. you could just look at it. It would yeah. take two minutes, right? With the way in which we have access to history, I remember going to school. I had to open a book. We, I didn't have access to the internet yet <laughs> in this way. So I had to research in a physical book. Yep. The way in which we have access to so much knowledge that we just learn what's mm-hmm. happened in the last 50 years and the last like maybe 20 minutes if we really, really wanted to. I mean, a version of it, a lot of stuff, stuff's fake and it's, our young people are really <laughs> challenged with that. Like what yeah. is, what is, what is real? What is not? What's true? I mean, those things are real, but it's like, we have to be live in the real world and not just in the digital world to do that, which mm-hmm. money is also making interesting. My mother and then my family has not jumped into the digital world. So they don't have those same experiences. My uncle mm-hmm. still doesn't have an email. When I did his estate plan, when I tried, when I tried to put that together, I created an email and I was like, wow. I was like, if you don't have an email, what am I not going to have when, right. I, when I'm 75? Also, like, not having an email sounds so peaceful. I am <laughs> jealous of that aspect of his life because I wish I didn't have email right about now. <laughs> I know, and the way in which it's consumed us. I think, I don't know if you've read the uh, or watched the video, The Century of the Self. No, I haven't it's seen that. It's uh, on public relations. It was created by Edward Bernay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, pretty, he used Hitler's work. Right. If Hitler can do it, we can too. We can use mm. it for good. What's good? Right. What is this weapon, right, of language Yeah. that we can use, right, to make people do things that in our best interest, not in our best interest, but in their best interest, right? Corporations, business, and things like that. So we think about hoarding. Hoarding is it's a symptom of the system, mm-hmm. right? It's People think, oh, it's, there's a lot of shame. It's all my fault. None of this is your fault. You were born into this. You were playing the game as best as you can with the resources you have currently. And until you get more resources and then get support to then move to the next step, you can, you just can't. And so we spend a lot of time, especially as women of color and people of color, we just beat ourselves up, wallowing in the shame and the guilt. That's not ours. In yeah. Drama Money, we, you know, Chantel, you know, we, we say, whose shame is this? It's not ours. Mm-hmm. It isn't. You were, we're doing the best we can. And that's when we're able to, once we're able to mentally overcome that, we're able to make change. And I think for my family, that's the barrier they have not been able to break. And I think the reason why I do all this work is because of my family. The reason why I mentor young people, the reason why I created this wealth redistribution work, the reason why I've done everything is because I've wanted to see them be well, even if they cannot. Yeah. And that if they cannot, then what? who's providing? This idea that everyone can be well, I think is also a myth. Not everyone can be well. So who's supporting those who are disabled, yeah. those who cannot, right? That's always been the biggest issue in our, as, as a civilization, we cast out those who do not fit the norm. I think that we are in a place of abundance as a species with our tools, with the level of resource, the amount of printing power we have, which is still not good, but we have a resource, we have a tool that we've created that we could use to actually deploy and actually help people. We could have universal basic. A dream. Really <laughs> yes. Oh my god. A dream. A dream I'm a dream I'm fighting for. A dream I'm fighting for. Taking a step back from the conversation that we just had about hoarding, I would love to talk a little bit more about distribution, like wealth distribution, because I think that's something that can be really challenging for people, especially if somebody, you know, gets to a point where maybe they finally have something for for the first time or where they maybe are still dealing with that fear of of not having enough. How do you work through that to distribute and to support others? And why is it so important to do so? I think that they're like people distribute all the time. 
They just don't think about it. Mm. Every time you go volunteer somewhere, every time you go help your sister babysit, every time <laughs> we distribute a lot of our time and resource. Every time really someone I know says they need something, people step up. That sometimes they can't do it because they're in debt and they can't, you know, push themselves more in debt, but they always step up. So I think it's really about, you know, I know we're coming back to the abundance plan, right? Like if you are someone that has stable yeah. income or you have enough, I'm not talking about those who have enough because you can't really redistribute besides your, you know, if you think about time banking, you know, you've heard of that. You can bank your time, but you can't bank your other resources. You don't have them yet. Mm-hmm. So if we're talking about those who have a stable income, who make who on pay, who real in reality, whether they know it or not, right? Whether they've actually written down, right, written it down, or any of that, have enough to sustain themselves. Then it's about how much do you want to give? If you if you if you're an executive and you've been volunteering on the board for three organizations, <laughs> you spend all your time in community. You might need to think about where you're spending your money, mm-hmm. and maybe you need to pare back so that you can yeah. create some reserve. If you don't have an abundance plan, it's about how much you want to give. $25 is perfectly fine. Five do- if, it's about, if it's about currency, is money. $5 is fine. Where is your money going is the real question. Where, where, are you seeding, where are you planting that seed? And I think it's about what do you want to see grow? Because over time, maybe in two years, you get a, you're making 50K and then two years you're making 100K. Well, now you can give them $1,000 a month if you want, whoever that is, a person who needs help. I think this idea, the issue, the biggest issue I think is that because of media, everybody only thinks they can give to organizations. And this is why people are suffering. My, my, my experience has shown me this, at least from what I've been able to see in my little 31 years of life, is that the money doesn't go to the person. It goes to institutions. Yeah. And institutions get to do what they want with it. And I mean, as many times I've been in the community, I was the only person that's known to pay people ahead of time. People are like, I just never got checks. I'm like, what do you mean you never got checks? The county was supposed right. to pay you. And it's, right. that it's been so normal. And that I've, and some of the experiences in Seattle that I've experienced, people just say, oh, that check just never came. Oh, well. Mm. That it's a norm to not be paid. Not just not be paid well. Forget the well part. At all. <laughs> but yeah. to not be paid, especially if you're not working within the traditional systems. If you're an, an entrepreneur, if you're an artist, right, you're, you're expected to struggle. That's a narrative. That is not the truth of the resources that we actually have. So what I teach around wealth redistribution, I mean, I got six, five, six people together from around the country and just share, let's talk about what does it mean to give and receive for a lot of, especially women that receiving is harder than giving. Yes. I don't deserve that. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you don't deserve that? Your ancestors died for it. They've already done it. We're good. You need to deserve and have abundance, but the trauma and the story of the narrative is so strong of oppression, right? And colonialism within our societies. Oh, I don't deserve that. It was $25. I'm like, how are you going to give away a maid if you can't give away $25? Right. If you can't receive that, if you can't receive it, you can't yeah. give it. And journeying with them through this wealth, like what is wealth? Wealth is us sitting together and being and sharing our time, our voice, our wisdom, our currency, our skills, our talent. That's what they've been doing with each other in the groups. And that's, that's wealth to me. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it is about currency. And I think the biggest piece is that we want to say, well, I gave the Black person the title and I gave them a nice little experience, <laughs> right? <laughs> but their lives are the same as they were before they saw you and they met you. Exactly. And so wealth is really about, you know, no matter where we are on the income scale, whether it's a dollar or a million, it's about helping people be better. And helping people be better means helping them get out of debt. It means helping them be well, financially well, yeah. and not and taking away shame and guilt and blame, 
right around. I don't care why you are where you're at. I want to yeah. see you get to the next step and be better and to thrive. And if we do have enough resource for that, if we got into honeycombs or sacred structure, right, mm-hmm. in community, we can work like mycelium and we could one by one. That's been my work, one by one. How do we redistribute what we have? How do we help sure make people unevicted? All of us can come together and give $25, $100, whatever that might be at that time. That's how that's how our ancestors always did it. You all put your money together, you buy the house. You all put your money together, you buy the land. Land's its own discussion. We'll talk about that later. But this is what we've had to do to survive as communities, not as individuals. We are we ever since we've been from a single celled organism to a multi celled organism, we have we have to have community. You are not we are not individual we are individuals, but we are we are a part of a bigger structure that sustains us. We've lost connection with <laughs> in so many so different ways. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I think so much of how we are conditioned to move and our society in particular really hyper focuses on the individual. And I do wonder if part of that or a big part of that is to undermine the power that we would have if we operated in it as communities more. I remember black and white people were murdered and houses burnt down for trying to organize. That's why people are like, oh, we're, we're for the rooftops. You better be careful when you're mm-hmm. scared for the rooftops because like Martin Luther King said, if we don't organize as strongly as evil does, we will lose. Yeah, And we've been losing because we refuse to organize. We refuse to yeah. gather our resources in the same way evil does. Really, we just we just don't. We're, we're very divided. We're very divided on the front. Uh, we're fighting little battles and we're not focusing on the war. When evil's focused on winning the war, mm-hmm. to having complete dominion. Um, but communities are taking things back. People are doing things, but I think the overall, like you said, there's a fear there, it's not just in the markets, there's a fear. It's fear, right? So, you know, Warren Buffett's be greedy when those are fearful and fearful when those are greedy. Most people can't play that game right <laughs> because of trauma, yeah. Yeah. right? They don't, stay the, the, they don't stay the course, right? And mm-hmm. because of crypto and all these other things, people didn't, you know, if you didn't know what money was, you just, you got the most rude awakening to money ever. But the greatest experience in money creation that's ever existed, as far as we know, ever existed in, in, for us as a species, right? People got to become wealthier than our ancestors could ever imagine, and we still didn't build universal basic income programs with it. We still didn't do any of those things. <laughs> we didn't build. We didn't, we built, but we didn't build for the future, right? For the future generations that are coming. And we're doing it slowly. Not to say that the efforts of everyone that's working very hard on the ground, yes. we need all of that. But I felt like there's this, and not to say the pandemic didn't hurt a lot of these efforts. We are coming out of this. And we're we're strong, right? We can still build the future that we want to see. We just really have to understand our money trauma, our trauma, our trauma, childhood trauma. Understand money in general. What is money? I think now's the perfect time to question. Everybody's questioning. Go ahead and question all of it, <laughs> all of it, all the pieces yes, of it, right? Yes. So we can rethink how we want to be. You know, we only need to gather small, right? They're, the groups that I have, they're small. But they've done, I mean, $125 was able to help someone help build some of their artwork so they could sell it. Another one was able to help them get a certificate. I was like, I didn't think I had $25 would do anything, right? Yeah. But it's magnificent. And it does so much. Every dollar, every time we meet with someone and we share a resource and we share a story, that's money. You know, we're yes. exchanging that. And the more that we can be in a positive way and be in community and not do it alone, the more that we can create and take those little steps to wellness, right? Wealth redistribution is a journey. It's not a destination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a forever practice until you take your last breath. Just like people say, oh, when you get old, you'll stop investing. No, you should save an investor forever. Mm-hmm. You should keep going and yeah. teach those who come behind you to do the same so then they can just pick up where you left off, right? 
And also be able to question, is your ideology, is the lens you're looking through one that's going to help you or harm you? And it's not about power, right? Humans want, we're chimpanzee, our DNA is chimpanzee, is chimp, right? We're the only other species that likes to kill for fun, right? So we have to fight against that sort of piece within us, that animalistic piece within us that says that we can organize, we can have fun in ways that are win-win, right? Because we're human. We can create anything that we want. That's why we're given this consciousness. Not to say that octopuses, I mean, octopuses are very smart. And so are dolphins <laughs> and elephants, right? But we're the only ones that we're able to project beyond ourselves. And so yeah. we can create, even with if it's five people, whether it's a hundred people, whether if it's just in our backyard with somebody that maybe is just helping somebody to make sure that they can pay the rent for six months. That is enough, mm-hmm. right? Paying someone's a light bill. That's enough. We can do that. All We have the digital systems. They're there. It's, it's the shame that says, I don't need help. Yeah. I can do it on my own. There is no own. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. all of us. You didn't you didn't kill the cow to eat that burger. So it's all <laughs> of us, all of us to do these things. And really knowing that and dropping the shame, really melting that shame away is what helps to redistribute. The shame will prevent you. Your brain will give, you start thinking all these thoughts that aren't your thoughts. They're not just not your yes. shame. And you'll be like, I can't give them it's this. True. Or they'll think I didn't mean to give them this. Or they want a bag. Or, you know, all these things. No, if that person needs help, help them. Show them what it means to be well. Show them, hey, I want to take care of this for you. Right? And we do that often. And be able to receive that back. Often. Especially Black women really need to be able to receive as much as we, yes. as much as we give into the world. Absolutely. Uh, we deserve so much, <laughs> especially all those other elders that have come behind us um, and those that are slaving and working hard for us right now. It's true. It's true. And at a few points, we've kind of touched on trauma and money trauma and kind of the, the relationship that maybe our childhood trauma has with money and how we handle money as we get older. If someone is wanting to dig into that work and start investigating or have some curiosity with themselves about what part of their trauma is related to that, what are some things that you recommend to help them start that process? Really, one of the biggest things that we teach in Trauma Money, we, we talk about, um, you know, psychology is its own colonial um, field. However, mm-hmm. when you look at mo- your money scripts and money disorders, um, by the, the uh, Dr. Brad Klontz, the money disorders tests, they really just give you a basic glimpse into possibly how you're behaving with money or how you can behave with money or how you've seen family members or friends behave with money. And it kind of gives you a landscape of what currently exists and our framework of, you know, what, what possibly could I do with the resources I have that are negative, right? And then how can I, of course, turn those things into a positive? It's hard facing those things that you don't want to face, and so yeah. having something that is objective that you can say, okay, this is what this is telling me is a good, is always a good, I have my, all of my clients uh, take that test, both of those tests, actually, the money scripts test and the, and the money disorders test. If you don't want to take the test, I think it's, it's going to be a little harder. It's going to be just self-reflection, thinking about your childhood, right? What are the things that have affected the way that you behave with money? Do you overspend every month? Do you have less than you make every month and you're in debt? Well, assess that process. What did I spend on this month, right? That I that I could not have spent on, right? If you are negative, it's creating harm. Like if you're not paying your bills on time, if you are, if you can pay all your bills, then it's just assessing your behavior so that you don't get into more debt, right? But if you have no debt, it's just managing how you would like to grow 
there's this thing like, oh, I didn't do well, but I have a thousand dollars extra. You're fine. <laughs> Everything's yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's the same behavior because it's trauma. So we have to really tell ourselves, we have to be aware. And in the awareness, we can keep reminding ourselves. That becomes neuropath- new neuropathways in our brain. Undoing, uh, we're acknowledging the current pattern so that we can undo the current pattern and do something else. So it's really about awareness. Awareness is the first step. You cannot do anything yes. unless you're aware. And yeah. coming to that awareness, especially around trauma, is very hard. So you really have to be gentle with yourself. You have to know first that most of the things that you're experiencing are not you. They, they're from society or they're from our ancestors. They're not you. You're living in the world and experiencing it as best you can. And what is happening to you is just as much as you are happening to the world. And to be gentle, I can't, I don't know how many times I can say it's be gentle because yeah. no matter what space I've been in, the one thing that everyone says is, oh my goodness, I don't have a space to just breathe and mm-hmm. to be my, and to just be myself. And we can give ourselves that, that opportunity every day. We don't need permission for that. If we can find peaceful space, uh, we deserve it. <laughs> it is ours, actually. We don't deserve, we don't just deserve it, it is ours. So yeah, so that's what I would say, you know, um, really I would say if they have more time and energy, you know, come and take the trauma of money course, it is life changing more because it's a community, right? You get a community of people going through this with you and one in a journey and supporting each other and seeing other solutions that you didn't see in other people from around the world. Uh, that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing that, that, that has, I've never thought I would be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> never thought that I would be given a gift of being able to serve people from around the world. And being able to talk about money from in a real way, yeah. you know, the thing that Chantel Chapman, you know, has created with trauma of money just around trauma in itself. Right. It's so nourishing. It really is nourishing. Mm-hmm. So I say the experience and, and the overcoming is really in community. So if you can gather with five others or three others in your community if you, that you trust and start this conversation, start, start just talking. Yes. That's all it is. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, deeper work with possible trauma of money and things like that. But start with start at home if you can. If you have loved ones, start at home. Definitely. With those that you know are ready to have the conversation. I think it's like, oh, I want to help these people that don't understand how the conversation. No. Gather with those that are ready first so that you feel well and nourished. Learn that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, we are, like, that, that's part of the survival thing, too. I need to help you because, you know, I love you and we can and we don't always need to be the one. It could be someone yeah. else. Like, I want you to be supported. It might not just it just might not be me. That's a journey too. That took me a long time with my family to be like, I can't, I'm not here to save you. I'm not your savior. I'm not a martyr here. I need to so give, support you with the resources that you need. But it, take, it takes time. And that's the thing we don't seem to think that we have. Yes, because life is fleeting, but we also do need space and time to express ourselves, to say, I didn't mean that, right? To myself, <laughs> right? To ourselves, yeah. right? Like give me some space and time to, to think about what I've been through, the journey I've been on and hold me through that. And we can create those spaces. The work I've created with Neurodism Bound, yes, I've been in community for a while. And yes, I've shown up in many other ways, but I created the space from nothing. You don't need permission to gather others mm-hmm. and to redistribute. You need to just do it. The behavior is in yes. the doing. It's do one thing. Call one person, give them a hundred hours. Say, I just, I love you just because. If you have it, you know, you could do that. It, it can be simple, right? It's not, there's no real system. There's not one methodology we follow to serve each other. It's how do we serve each other and just make sure that we're serving each other in a way that supports us in a loving, caring way. And we do do that so well in community. We just, we don't organize around it. So, but we are, we are, we're growing. Universal basic income is growing, moving back to our traditional systems and those ways are growing. 
right? I think that the future is scary, but it's bright as it has been for our ancestors in the past, right? Scary, but Mm -hmm. they still did it because they knew we were going to be here one day. Yes, yes, (laughs) absolutely. And I think even considering all that so many of our ancestors experienced, us being here is a miracle. Like it's, it's a really beautiful thing, actually, that we're able to be here in this point in time, even if it doesn't always feel like it when we're in the, the hustle and bustle. Exactly. And as, as a historian, I think we're, we're right where we need to be. I know that's really hard to like even say, you know, but I know I wouldn't be here if my mother and father didn't do what to go through the things they went through. They didn't have the the pit stops they had. Right. I would if they're if their parents and their parents and they're like, we are here when we're supposed to be here in this moment. That's a gift. It's just, you know, we just need to remember it. And it's a lot easier to remember when we're with others. Absolutely. And when we're helping one another, remember, remind each other. Exactly. Exactly. And just having, just resting, like resting and laughing and being in good, in goodness, right? That is light. That we just need to do that a little bit more often, right? We have permission to do that. We can gather, we can break bread, right? We can cook for one another. We can have yoga. We can do whatever, right? We can do whatever. We can meditate. We can do whatever together. That's the one thing I'm looking forward to is trying to do a first in-person event for the first time in, in a very long time. Because the digital space is beautiful, but people need people. And people, as we reopen, I think it's also important for us to regather in space and to break bread. I miss breaking bread and having dinner with other folks. So in that way. There's truly nothing that can replace it. I mean, gathering virtually served a purpose. And I, I think it did help keep people together while that was our only option. But like that true in-person interaction and feeling other people's energies and sharing space. There's truly nothing like it. Nothing, nothing like it. I miss it so much. <laughs> no, I'm ready. I think this is a, everything's in its own season. Right. And I think as long as we're listening to the spirit, it's going to be okay. Yeah, definitely. So at the beginning, when you were telling us a, a bit more about your, your background, Something that really came up for me while you were describing that was it almost felt like in some ways that money can be a bit of a mirror for us, that it can it can reflect back something that's happening inside, whether that's previous experiences, whether that is how we're reacting to the world around us, or whether, as we were just talking about, our, our traumas. Have you had that experience where it's felt like your money or your financial situation feels like a mirror? And, and what have those experiences shown you? Are you saying like a mirror that like a reflection into like our past or our families that we've seen show up again in that way? It definitely can be. Yeah. A reflection of how we feel, right? If we feel a, a sense of unease or turbulence, like we can experience that in our finances. It can definitely be a mirror to what our families have experienced, just something that can reflect some of our experiences that we've we've had. I, think, I would say like a lot of that. I mean, but different points, you know, I would say that I say for, like one of the biggest things is how you relate to money, right? So for my mm-hmm. family, it's food. So we can see abundance or overindulgence or all of those or even neglect in some ways show up, but then money around food. And I think food is a very interesting, you know, we could talk about that all day, all the disparities between food and all those things. But I think that my relationship to money, my, my biggest hurdle has been with food. Growing up in a home where grandma wanted something, so we got whatever grandma wanted. 
um, and that cooking stopped early in my life. Like I cook a lot. My husband, I'm trying to, you know, one day do this cookbook, but that those behaviors stopped that were necessary. And so those I see mirrored now in my life is I'm trying to, it's so I think that there's things that come up later throughout your life. You're like, Oh my gosh, that's my mom. Or, Oh my goodness, that's my dad. Or, Oh my goodness, I used to do that and I'm doing it again. Yeah. But it's also a point to still check in, right? Is this behavior okay? There's some things I do want to keep that I love and enjoy, right? Around food, going to certain restaurants, going to do specific things, cooking certain things, right? Which means spending certain things for certain things for family, right? And there's ways that I see the mirroring and I'm like, I don't want that. But that that's, it takes a journey in understanding what that is for you, right? So for me, it's like, my mom likes to go out a lot. That's something that I love to do as well, but I can't, can't do that when you don't have the money. So having the behavior <laughs> and the thing that you want that's where the that's where the gap is. Can you have delayed gratification to wait for the thing that you because you can still have it, you just can't have it right now. So when you see something mirrored, it's more like do you, can can you pause? The pause is where we get to take the moment to address the trauma trigger. So whether what we're going to resource for, if we can pause. Usually when we don't pause, we press the Amazon button, press the grub up order, pick up the phone, right? But if we can pause. Within that pause, we can make a choice. Sometimes we can make a different choice. And sometimes we're just like, that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. That's what my nervous system needed. And so the mirroring, it's more, at least one of my understanding from the question is, is the mirroring negative, creating negative behaviors within your life or positive behaviors within your life? And can you acknowledge the, mir- the, the ways in which you're seeing yourself show up that might not be the best way and, to, and have grace with yourself first and then say, okay, what's one thing I can do? Well, one thing you can do is, right, pick out a meal that you love to eat and cook it at home. Mm-hmm. Right, small. I mean, this is just about food, For but sure. there's so many different ways we could do this with other things. Oh, I really love this dress. Well, mm-hmm. let me go through my closet really quickly and just look and see what I have. Maybe I'll get inspired. If we can pause and do something else, we usually will move away and do something different. We just will, right? It's just, can we take that moment to say, I have, I have power over the choices I make. And the mirroring can look like whatever I want it to look like if I have control over that. Because um, there's some things we do want to carry forward. You know, some things we really don't <laughs> like, why do I, why do I do this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you sit a certain way or you look a certain, do a those certain look, you know, examples. we are, we are the, we are, we're a flesh right. and blood. We are those that have come before us. We are that, but it doesn't mean we have to behave that way long, over time, right? We can change our behavior. I hope that, I think that answered your question. It did. Yes. Thank you for those examples. I was thinking of it as I was kind of reflecting on my own money experience, you know, my family, it was very financially chaotic. It is still financially chaotic. Not that it wasn't necessarily there to be able to pay bills or to get necessities, but just it was almost like a fabricated chaos. We created situations where there wasn't enough when there should have been. And as an adult, I found myself starting to do the same thing, fabricating that chaos for myself, even though it didn't need to be there. And over the past few years, I've done a lot of like looking at that and really reevaluating my habits and just my views. And I've seen a lot change really quickly just from understanding what was being reflected back to me. And so to your point, just about pausing and about understanding, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? It sounds so simple, but it can go so far. So far, just asking like, wait a second, what, what am I doing? Right. I mean, that's actually how I truly came to money. I was walking, I was walking from, I was walking from Walgreens one day and I was like, wait, 
why do I have to use a credit card? <laughs> I was like, who does who made this rule in society? Like I lived in at this moment, <laughs> this like true awakening to like what? No, I don't. No, I no, I don't. I don't have to use a credit card. But I want to. Yeah. And that was the journey of the of getting out of debt. It was a true mm-hmm. like, wait a second. I don't have to I don't have to do this. Yep. I could do something different. It may not be today, but I can do something different. Right. Yep. Tomorrow. And that tomorrow came and tomorrow and the next day something different came. That it can, it just will take time. It takes time, like you said, it took years, right? It takes mm-hmm. it takes time, but it's worth it. The journey, there's more, there's so much richness in the journey than it is getting there. Yeah. Because once you get there, you're like, okay, there's all this other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> new level, new new other things. New adventure. That's what I like to call it. Like, it's a new adventure. Yes. Yes, exactly. I like that that phrasing better. <laughs> Cause woo. Yeah. Sometimes. We're not calling any we're not calling the other the other part of that expression in. But it's it's so true. And just focus just on agency that we can choose. And that also, no matter what we choose, that's not necessarily dictating who we are as people. Like recently I had shared some of my financial mistakes that I've made in my life that honestly truly really dumb, like just dumb, dumb stuff that I did. It doesn't mean that I'm a dumb person, but it means that I made some dumb choices. And even admitting to those things was a little anxiety inducing. So I'm like, what are people going to think of me? Are they going to think I'm dumb? No one's going to want to listen to me or my advice if I did X, Y, Z. But I realized that that reflection and being able to share how far we've come or being able to share with people who have maybe made similar mistakes saying, hey, you can overcome this is also super valuable. It is because we usually don't think we, if we can't see you, then we think what the TV says and the TV mostly says you can't get out of debt unless you pay somebody, <laughs> right? Like, no, you can, mm-hmm. you can overcome the thing you're, you're, you're going yeah. through if you just have a little patience with yourself. But that's the getting to that point. Yeah. Is, that's, that's the journey. That's the overcoming the trauma part that, oh, I did that. Yep. And that's fine. Like that, that's fine. Tomorrow I'll make a different decision or I'll make the same decision. I'll do what I have to do. Right. But I'm not, we create uh, we wait, trauma metastasizes, right? Mm-hmm. We create disease in our bodies yeah. when we can't move the energy out of our bodies and release the anxiety, the stress, the the, the energy that's created through that experience. Because trauma is an embodied experience, and we feel any sort of uh, angst yeah. or anything, it's it's in our bodies. So we have to actually move it, move it out of our bodies, um, so that we can be well, and that we can do that through different practices. Yeah, but that we have agency to do that, like you said, right? That we can do it. That's just no, just knowing that, like yeah. just having the awareness, like you said, that was able to help you through that process to share. That's it. Yep. Like we can start a business. <laughs> Go start it, right? Like we can do these things. We don't have to take five years, or sometimes we do need to take five years, and then we have that grace with the journey we've been on. Where am I at in this journey? Right? What's beautiful about it? What's hard about it? What are the things I can work on today? What are the things that I can leave for tomorrow? Living, like this idea, like taking a breath. We to do a lot of breath work um, in trauma of money. And I do it with my clients too. Just breathe, right? Just mm-hmm. breathe in, breathe out. You're here right now. Yes. Right now. There's nothing else except this moment. And if you're in a safe space, it's a be- it, know that it's a beautiful space and that things will be great with the energy that you put into it, right? And the energy that the energy universe gives you back, right? We're taken care of when we're in community. And if we don't have one, that we can find one. They're there. It only takes one. <laughs> <laughs> it only takes one connection yes, to change your it's life. True. That has been my pure experience. It takes one. We don't need a hundred. We need one. That's so true. We need to speak the dream, tell the story, and 
the spirit will have that person show up to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Set um, the intention. Like, I do believe that we're mycelium. We are. I can't see you, but I can feel you, mm-hmm. even though, you know, you're not here with me, right? Like, we're everywhere, right? So our spirit energy is everywhere. Our energy travels. Our spirits connect in ways that we can't, we're not knowledgeable about. And I think that's why the journey is, right, so much more important, right, than that destination of where we're trying to get. Yes, we want to build wealth, but the journey to building wealth is just as beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And wealth meaning currency and health and all the other ways that it shows up within our life. Absolutely. All of the above. And you mentioned practices to to move trauma out of the body. What are some of your favorite practices for that that either you like to do or work with your clients? You mentioned breath work. Right. So just breathing, like taking deep breaths in and out. So just any of the, you know, the different um, four, seven, eight breathing techniques, any sort of just, just breathe. Really women of color like to hold their breath. I am one. (laughs) I like to hold my breath all day. (laughs) So it's really just taking a moment to breathe in. So breath work, really getting in the body. So if you like to dance, go dance. If you have a class or something you like to do, but you don't have any access to any of that, going on a walk is just as good as doing any of those other things, right? If you like to meditate, meditate. If you like to hum, hum, right? Our ancestors hum and they sang, right? To release. We have all these things that are at our disposal that we don't have to pay for. I think our society says we must pay for everything too that we engage in for wellness. Yeah. When when wellness is free, it's nature, it's all around mm-hmm. us. It's yeah. <laughs> It's all here. So, and just being with ourselves sometimes, just being sitting. Uh, so, visioning meditation, that's what it's called. So, you can sit and you can just close your eyes if, you, if you're in a safe enough space. You can envision you're on a beach. You can envision the waters receding, coming up and going away, right? You can envision the seagull flying across the sky. You can envision the sun in the sky. You can transport yourself to somewhere else for a moment to calm your nervous system and get you back to a calm state. We can deploy all these things at any moment in time throughout the day. And those will calm our nervous system. Right? One of the things we like to also do is if you look behind you, mm, yeah, you're telling your unconscious nervous system that you're fine. So doing little tiny things to bring yourself to now, to the present, to where you're at, light a candle, whatever it may be. Those are just some, there's so, there's so many ways that we can resource there. And it's actually, in, it's infinite actually that we can think of different ways that, that can nourish us, right? What can bring us calm and joy within moments that we need it could be we need to watch something to make us laugh we can use the digital tools to make us laugh as well right to make us happy as well right we can use all these little points but i really think being in the body i love to go on walks i live near water so i love to go on walk around walk my little doggy <laughs> um, rubbing you if you have an animal rubbing your animal as well whatever calms that nervous system is really some of the best things that we can do for ourselves definitely beautiful beautiful practices and i love all of those things and I'm preaching all of those things all the time. So thank you for the, for those suggestions. Nafasi, this was such a rich conversation. I know I learned so much and have gotten so much to really think about and chew on as I continue to move forward in my financial wellness journey. So I really appreciate you being here. Can you tell our audience how they can work with you, how they can keep in touch with you if they're interested in trauma of money or working with you to build an abundance plan? How can they do that? Awesome. Yeah. So the best way to get in contact with me is to email me at info at narrativesunbound.net, or you can just go to the website and also submit a form there at narrativesunbound.net. If you want to learn more about trauma of money, uh, you can visit traumaofmoney.com. We're a whole faculty, a whole team of community. I really would love for you to join that if you have time. Um, and I'm also, if anyone's interested in doing wealth redistribution, we'll be uh, growing our cohort soon. 
so if anyone's interested, they can get on the waiting list for that. Amazing. We'll have that all linked in the show notes to make it super easy for folks to check out and find you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Les. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning into today's episode and for joining me in the Money and Abundance series. I hope this series was helpful and inspiring on your journey to financial well-being. And given it's the podcast birthday, I have to thank you again for four amazing years. So thank you so much for your support and for listening. Head to the show notes for more information about working with Nafasi through Trauma of Money and Narratives Unbound. She does incredible work and we've linked all of her information and resources in the show notes so that you can find exactly where to connect with her and work with her. Huge shout out to the sponsors of today's episode who help us deliver this free content. So make sure you grab the discount codes and the links in the show notes. It's really a win-win. It's a really great way to support the show and to let our sponsors know that you love Balanced Black Girl. And they're usually hooking you up with some great discounts on incredible wellness offerings. So make sure you check out what we're offering there. Now, next week, we've got a new series for you focused on Black women in business. We're going to be interviewing some incredible up-and-coming entrepreneurs and business leaders who are basically going to take us all through a balanced Black girl B-school. So whether you are an entrepreneur, you're interested in entrepreneurship, or maybe you're just a little nosy and you like to see behind the scenes of some of your favorite brands, this series will be for you. The new series starts next week, so make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss the episodes when they drop. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye.